This is the Beyond Mission podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. And this year we're looking at the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament in what we're calling a chronogeobiological flow. You know, last week we, we looked at Acts chapter 7, where a man named Stephen experienced persecution and became the first Christian martyr. Just before he was stoned to death, Stephen gave a speech defending his action. And it, it's interesting, Ben, he, he cited the Old Testament. I mean, he covered it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Aaron, David, Solomon. He, he really kind of went through Old Testament history as a defense for what he was doing. And so it makes sense that we're going to divert from the book of Acts again today and look at the book of Hebrews, a New Testament book which kind of does the same thing Stephen did, and it uses Old Testament people and themes to better understand Jesus. So that's why we're going to spend a few weeks here in the book of Hebrews. Now, for those of you that are listening, we're, we're not going to be able to cover all of it in, in a few podcasts. There's, it's not possible. But if you want to get a little more, you can go on to our church's website, fishersumc.org, or find the, the app. And, and in all those ways, you, you'll be able to find the church's sermons, because in the sermons, we're covering the same topics, but different themes. So we'll be looking at different themes and different parts of the book of Hebrews in the sermons than we are in these podcasts. So that's just a, like a little bit of an aside, because we're not going to be able to cover all of it by any means whatsoever. So I hope that makes sense. And with that, today we're just going to jump in at the beginning right here in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the book of Hebrews is an interesting book. It's uh, kind of thick. It's kind of a thick book, isn't it? You know, I, I don't know if you think it is. It's a, it, there's, a, there's a lot to wade through and, and sort of understand in the midst of it. You know, a lot of people that I have run into in my life, Ben, have, have this idea that if you're a Christian— you can pretty much ignore the Old Testament. You, you run into that kind of thinking any along the way, like it, it, it doesn't count anymore. It doesn't really matter. Just yeah. follow Jesus. Yeah, sometimes we encounter folks that, that want to discard the Old Testament for the sake of the New Testament, and, so, and yet so much of the New Testament is built upon the back of the Old Testament. Jesus quotes at length from the Old Testament um, all the, the letters uh, within the New Testament quote from the Old Testament, uh, sometimes those quotes are, aren't even necessarily highlighted. It's just a given that somebody reading a particular letter would be familiar with the Old Testament language that's present in the letter. And then you get to, you get to Hebrews, and uh, Hebrews is rich in Old Testament theology and explaining how the whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ and is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. Yeah, so it's it's really all throughout. And to me, you just you can't really fully understand the Gospels or the rest of the New Testament without having at least a working knowledge of of what we call the Old Testament. Because of course Jesus was a Jewish person and with a Jewish audience, and so they just understood the connections that were made made and and he was seen first of all as the Jewish Messiah. So this book of Hebrews is written by a Hebrew person to a Hebrew audience who would become followers of Jesus the Messiah and uses these these Hebrew themes that we call themes from the Old Testament to understand 
who Jesus is. So this first week, we, I want to look at the, the theme of Jesus, fully God and fully human. The Nicene Creed, uh, one of the ancient creeds of the Christian faith, has a phrase in here that sounds like this. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. In that portion of the Nicene Creed, then, the the composers of that, the, the people who put it together, are really trying to, to get us, I think, to, to understand and proclaim that Jesus was fully God and fully human. So before we, we kind of dive into the details, why is this a, an important tenet of our of our Christian faith and belief in Jesus. Hebrews chapter two really, uh, I think illuminates that for us. And, uh, I know we're headed there, uh, this week, but it stresses the necessity both, both of Jesus's divinity, um, as one who was without sin and also his humanity. He had to be, uh, one of us. He had to be like us, um, in order to, uh, in order to endure the wrath due our uh, sin. In Hebrews 2, and again, this is where Hebrews is such a rich, uh, a theologically rich book that sometimes is uh, ignored uh, by some because of all of the Old Testament themes that are present within. So many people find it a, a bit confusing uh, if they lack some familiarity with the Old Testament, the one chapter that people tend to focus on uh, within Hebrews is the, you know, the, the chapter 11, the Hall of Fame relative to the faithful uh, in the Old Testament. Um, but yeah, Hebrews 2 uh, illuminates the necessity of Jesus's humanity, the necessity of his divinity for the sake of our uh, salvation. Yeah, let's, let's get there and, and take a look at these some of these passages and the details of it. I want to start off with the the very beginning of Hebrews chapter one, verse one, because it really illuminates the the truth that Jesus is God. And let me begin by reading Hebrews one one. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustained by, I'm sorry, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. And this this passage really lays out for us the concept of Jesus not simply being a human being who was a good man, a prophet, 
a, a wise teacher, but from the very beginning, from the creation of the universe with God. Let me just read a couple of other passages in Scripture that echo this theme before we talk about it. One of them's in Colossians chapter 1 and beginning in verse 15, where it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And then in verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, that is in the Son. And then in the Gospel of John, the first four verses, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So we take a look at these passages, and that there are others as well, which really focus in on the idea, that the teaching, that Jesus wasn't simply a, a mere mortal. He wasn't simply a, a prophet or a good man or a moral teacher, but he was God. He was God in, in all of these passages we read from the creation of the universe. And it was by him, through him, for him, holding things, all, all the things together in the universe that, that Jesus is co-equal with God the Father. Why is this an important thing for us to get right when we think about who Jesus is? One of the aspects of it that I think is important is it reminds us of Jesus's lordship uh, over us. Um, if he is sovereign, if he is creator, if he is God in the flesh, um, it points to the immeasurable love of God toward us, and uh, it reveals the, the, the relational aspect of God himself as he pursues us um, to rescue us from the penalty of our sin and it points also to the lordship then of Jesus Christ as one who has yielded himself to the cross, as one who has been raised from the dead, who is superior above all things, that we then as his followers can submit ourselves fully uh, to him. And I think one of the things that we struggle with sometimes within the context of the church is a lack of recognition of Jesus's lordship. Um, we are quite good at proclaiming Christ as Savior, and yet we often um, fumble in some ways in proclaiming him as Lord, as our lives oftentimes, there's almost like a disconnect uh, between our proclamation of Jesus as Savior and our reception of him as Lord over our life, to whom we are to submit all things. So it's important for the writer of Hebrews to let the Hebrew Christians who are reading this understand exactly what you've said, that he is the Lord. He, he is God. And the, even the statement here that he is superior to the angels. We'll see the word superior a lot in this book, the superiority of Christ but a statement, he's superior to the angels. And the, and the angels, of course, are superior to humans. They're, 
angelic beings that God has created, but Jesus is way above that, and he is a co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And it's, it, is, it is essential, I think, like as you've said, we get this right. And he goes on really in, in much of this rest of this chapter, just laying out the superiority of Jesus over the angels with a, with a whole host of quotes from the Old Testament. Just a, just a bunch of them that will let the person who's listening read those on your own and pulling out these scriptural references from the Old Testament to say, Jesus is far, far, far superior to angelic beings or anything else because he is the God who co-equal with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They created this universe and everything in it. But he doesn't leave them there. Because he also wants the, pers- the, the, the reader or the listener in this scripture to know that Jesus is very fully human as well. He's not only made superior to the angels, but when he, in, in chapter 2 of Hebrews, he's, he quotes here uh, again from the Old Testament, from Psalm 8, and then finally in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 says, but we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So he's made lower than the angels for a little while. The, back to our reference in, in the Gospel of John, the word who all things were made through him, and he was with God, and he was God. John chapter 1, verse 14 says that same word, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So it's an important thing for the, the writer of Hebrews to, to let the people know, yes, Jesus, fully God but also Jesus, very much flesh, very human, very like us, as you referenced a moment ago, in every way except without sin. Why is that an important piece for the, for the Christian to understand also that Jesus was a human being in every single way like us? Um, one of the things relates to, again, as, uh, as the writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 2, He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And then he goes on a little bit later in, in that chapter. And he says, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And so, again, the necessity of his humanity um, in order to fulfill God's law on our behalf, uh, you know, um, as, as those uh, who are uh, the, the depravity that exists within uh, humanity, um, I'm not saying that well at the moment, but my point being that as, fo- as, uh, as human beings, we, are all, we all wrestle with sin as 
the Apostle Paul has said, um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So under God's law, we are all law breakers. And in that, we need one who can fulfill the law on our behalf. Jesus had to be perfect in order to take uh, our sin, the debt of our sin, uh, upon him himself, as the writer of Hebrews is expressing here in chapter 2. So that's an important thing to hold together, these two concepts. And the, the reality is, as we look at Scripture, God did this. Jesus, fully God and fully human, this intersection happened at the perfect timing in, in God's, God's chronology of the world. It happened at the perfect timing. Here's a few scripture references as I think through this. One is from Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, and it says, When the time set had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. It says also in Romans 5, beginning in verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for the righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This, this theme, Ben, of, of the intersection of divinity and humanity, uh, of Jesus, who's fully God, becoming fully human through the, the flesh and blood of his mother, Mary, and divine through the, the Holy Spirit, is an important thing to keep together in our, in our minds. So as we think about it, like in your mind, the two of these now together, why is it so important that we don't minimize one of them and we keep them equally together in tension for him to be completely God and completely human at the same time is not logical. So why is it important that we kind of go against our own intuition and keep these together as it's taught throughout Scripture? Again, I, I think the uh, the primary uh, need to to keep them together and not divorce one from the other is that outside of Christ's divinity, he can't fulfill the law of God. He's not, there, there's, there's going to be sin present in his life outside of his divinity. And then on the opposite end with his humanity, he had to be uh, one of us in order to die for us, to experience all that, that we experience and yet to be without sin in order to make atonement uh, for our sin. This also, though, speaks to the love of God for us, that Jesus would enter this world knowing fully what he was going to endure ahead of time. You know, is, as we say at Christmas time, the, the splinters of the manger lead to the, you know, to the nails of the cross. And so Christ enters in willingly. Um, it wasn't that the, the Father simply put this upon him and said, this is what you're going to do. 
or you know, some, somehow surprised him when he got here. But instead, Jesus submits himself humbly to being born of a woman, to enduring all that comes with being an infant, being a child, growing and maturing uh, physically uh, throughout time, growing in essence in wisdom as, as a human, and then giving himself over to the cross. Um, and he does all of this knowing ahead of time what he will suffer, what he will endure. If that doesn't captivate the hearts of the, the Christ follower, I don't know what will. That, that's well said. I think what you, what you just said, I looked it up as you were speaking. It's summarized in the book of Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen to that. Well, folks, that'll wrap it up for, for this well, week. Up, oh, you got, you got more? Oh, I got, you got, I got one stuff? thing All right, that I brother, need to say. I'm waking up finally. I had an early morning with, uh, with my oldest. <laughs> we had figure skating. She had figure skating. We. There's no we to it. She had figure skating practice at do you 6 show, o'clock you show in the morning. you sure how to do all the moves? Yeah. No, yeah. Growing up in South Louisiana, not much ice around. Uh, but yeah, she had figure <laughs> skating practice at 6 o'clock this morning, which meant an early uh, alarm clock at 4.30 for me. Uh, this morning, but the other part of the the incarnation itself, it, it rem- it's not a it it reminds us when we reflect upon it that we are absolutely dependent upon God for our redemption, for our salvation. If there was any other means by which we could be saved, there would be no point to the incarnation, and so. Uh, for those who might believe that uh, in some sort of works-based faith or, uh, or even be wrestling with that, that, the tension they feel, but uh, um, thinking that they need to uh, uh, merit their salvation or somehow earn their salvation through their good works, understand that the, the incarnation destroys that thought. Um, because if there was, a, again, a means by which we could uh, earn our salvation, merit uh, our salvation, uh, earn the affections of God, uh, the, the incarnation has no point, and it minimizes Jesus' coming um, to, to be born of Mary, uh, to, to live a life that fulfills, a lo- that fulfills the law, and to, and to die on our behalf. Um, and so that's another aspect of the, the incarnation that when we reflect upon it, um, to, to recognize, again, our absolute dependence upon God to intervene 
for the sake of our redemption, which then again points to the his immeasurable love toward us that when we were dead in sin and trespass, when there's nothing within us that should provoke his love, God pursues us uh, in Christ and Jesus ultimately dies for us. You know what? That was, that was worth extending the podcast for a couple minutes for. That was super, that's kind of like when, when you, you think the ice skating routine is done and they pull out one of those triple jumps or something like that. So that, that was, <laughs> that was, I don't know anything about ice skating. So that was totally, that was totally fantastic. Well, folks, if you'd like to jump in deeper, go to our church's website, fishersumc.org, and click on the Be On Mission link. And if you want to stay up to date with these Be On Mission podcasts, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, may God bless you.